0: Hey guys, Trevor here with Red Leaf, and today I'm lucky enough to have Adolfo on with me. Now, Adolfo's kind of holds a special place in my heart because my original herbage scale review comes from the information and the video content that he was putting out with Catareps at the point in time. So a lot of where I come from, from my look and aroma, the bud breakdown, and just the respect towards the plant as a whole... And the effect that environment can play into it and the grow style can play into it. And you need to appreciate that when you're actually looking and reviewing your plants. He gave me that baseline to start doing what I'm doing now. So without that information, I wouldn't really be able to do the style of content and the depth of content that I do today. So I'm really happy to have him on and be able to share our information. Hopefully I learn more and you guys learn a lot from him as well, because... It was a great starting point for me. So, thank you for coming on, man, and thank you for giving me that that kind of base point to start with.
1: Trevor, thanks for having me, dude. It's always a pleasure to hang with you, man.
0: Yeah, it's. We it, it was lucky to be able to meet you out in Ontario, and then be able to just grow from there. Like it was, it's been awesome.
1: Yeah, dude. Always a good time. I uh, loved the, what you gave me to smoke last time I saw you. <laughs> so, shout out to that. Yeah, that was a good grow, buddy. Yeah, triple scoop turned out pretty good, and
0: it's been. I still got a little bit of it left, and it's it gets better, but it's still it's not quite as good as I want it to be. <laughs> it was delicious. It was different. I really enjoyed it, dude. Thanks again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually just took down uh Skywalker Ghost Autoflower and I did a live hash rosin run with it. And the water on the first one looked like raspberry juice, like watermelon juice almost. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's got, like, a raspberry gas milkshake smell to it. It's going to be crazy. I've got probably about, I'm going to guess between 40 and 50 grams of flour downstairs dry, drying right now. So we'll see what, what the big buds turn out like, too. We'll have to get
1: you some of that to try. Yeah, man. Got to come down to Booklip sometime and bring that stuff. We'd love to check it out. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I Well, I got, what
0: is it? four different genetics running right now that I'm trying to find something good to grow. So once I get everything with that set up, and I know I'll be coming back to Vancouver because the in-laws are out in Vancouver. So <laughs>
1: Don't forget to take a cut of your mom's, remember?
0: Hey, I learned that from the last time. Learn early and don't make the mistake again. There's a bunch oh, of small up? little plant that I left. I didn't lollipop the entire plant.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it's one of those things that, can slip by easily. And uh, you only, you only make the mistake once, right? You find one queen that slips by and you're like, Oh, never again. Right? Well,
0: what's funny is at the event I was at yesterday for like the grow up uh, mixer, the dinner in Edmonton, somebody else had grew grew the triple scoop as well. And they just take it down. They, sh- I smelt it. And it had a lot more of like a cherry punch to it, but it still had that really fermented orange rind to it. And as soon as I said that, I'm like, oh, that's the funk that it was. So, you pointing that out has <laughs> been able to share that with everybody I've shared it with,
1: well, or they've grown
0: it themselves.
1: They're selling some quality seeds then down at what was it, 24th Street, Twenty Three Street, what are uh, they called? Thir- uh, yeah, 34th Street Seed. Yeah. 34th Street Seed. There you go. Classic dyslexic <laughs> memorization of a number numeral, number base name. <laughs> There's too many numbers in it this is. industry, too, right? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Oh, so what's happening?
0: Oh, been working hard, getting these podcasts up and running, trying to get as many people on here, trying to kind of provide the information that we have in the smoke pits at these conferences. Let's record these conversations and put them out there so people can listen to them, because the amount of good, the amount of times where we could just stick a mic in there and just record the conversations we're having and it'd be beneficial for the industry is missed out realistically
1: yeah man for real
0: so that's that's what this is right let's let's give people the opportunity where we can just sit down spark up if we want to spark up and just talk about what's going on right i love it i love it so you you've got some genetics that you're working on right now with a couple of well mike my one buddy he's always talking about it he's excited about that and you said that you had a couple of other projects that are kind of in the works right now
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've been working on genetics pretty intensely for the past four or five years, uh, uh, which was a bit of a switch in focus for me. I was traditionally more of a curator and a broker. Um, And before that, I was a a grower for a long time and did some breeding. But honestly, uh, I always had friends of mine that had better plants, better cuts. And I would usually just focus on growing my friends' cuts and whatever work they were working on. Um, so yeah, the breeding recently became a pretty big focus, uh, did a lot of good work with Mike Hichi and Michael Borg out East. Yeah. Uh, shout out to both of those guys, the wormhole crew, me and Mike Hichi is, uh, basically, uh, we did the garlic layer cake. We did a lot of basically, uh, uh, my favorite crosses from that work was probably all of the garlic breath crosses that coming from work that came originally from Thug Pug. So yeah, uh really proud of all that work. Uh we're probably going to be finding a place for some of that work in the legal business soon, so that's pretty exciting. And uh to be honest like um I'm I'm probably going to go back to doing a lot of curating because even like I think actually especially the black hole, the specifically the garlic layer cake that I made with Mike Hichi, I think that's going to be probably a a solid classic that hangs out for a while. And we made a couple of other plants that have potential, but like, I'm also, as you know, Trev, I'm always keeping my ear to the street. I, I, I come from, from the gray market and, and built myself there, uh, over the course of the past 23 years in Canada. And, um, I have to say I'm just so impressed with some of the other work that some of my friends are doing that I'm just like so amazed by the quality. Uh, I thought I was the only one popping out future flavors, but man, there's people down here in BC that were doing as good or dare I say better than me and Mike. Uh, Some of the work I've seen recently is like not better. It's different. It's just so amazing that it's inspired me to start to, figure out this puzzle of how to bring cultivars into the legal market. And more importantly, though, it's bringing them in is easy. That's what I've realized that bringing them in is no big deal. Getting you as the breeder paid appropriately for your intellectual property and getting you as the breeder protected to do that, that's becoming more of a point of focus for me. It's, And, you know, Trev, I, I've been a, I've been an activist and I've been involved in, you know. What I like to call social engineering for a long time uh, th- via, of course, uh, civil disobedience. And, you know, I always say people like, you know, it, it, it's breaking the law is sounds really cool, but it's dangerous as fuck. And you only really have fun if you're doing good things. Otherwise, it's just all like heart palpitations. And then the money comes and you spend that and you fucking get back to it. And it's another lifeless, joyless job yeah. in, in the end for a lot of people. Um. And, like, in order to really love this job, you have to do things that have meaning and things that, like, cause effect that are beyond your personal, like, interest and and your personal assumption of what should happen sometimes even. You have to, like, talk to people, look at what's going on in the street, get a feel for what's happening culturally, and then say, man, I want to do this thing that's a little bit on the border of legality, but it's really positive and needed you know and I think that that's kind of what I'm leaning into right now where I'm just connecting with my old self that person that moved to Canada to start working in an illicit sector where you know I had a very safe and uh, like an, a very awesome upbringing down there like all my friends ended up doing really well and uh, like I have definitely found it difficult to stay connected to that sense of like awe and inspiration that I had for so much time. I love being a teacher. I love what I did at Canaryps. I love working recently for Station House and Potluck. Shout out to those guys. But like, I'll be honest with you, um, there's so much innovation that needs to take place in this business. And like, I'm not going to go back to the gray sector. That's not, it's not possible for me anymore. I'm too used to being safe and comfortable and getting my paycheck and paying my taxes and the whole thing. But I'm definitely wanting to help my friends that are still in that world make that crossover like I have and get that, you know, I feel like I've gotten a lot of love from people because I'm like one of those people that came from the underground that's always been really above ground. I've been very vocal. I've been very, you can reach me. I don't give a fuck because uh, I have a particular type of career where I have a good relationship with the city of Vancouver, with the police, and they kind of know who I am. And I'm not thinking they're going to come get me for t- past tran- transgressions, and I'm not really doing much now and anymore. Um, so I want to become that vocal person again, and I want to become that link from the illicit into the, le- the legal framework. And that's a lot of what I want to do is help my friends with amazing flavors that are really unsung heroes a lot of them that have been around way longer than me people think i'm an og because i've been here since 2001 dude i'm a kid like i'm nothing i'm nothing man like i'm really
0: the same place as you man like i'm even i'm even newer than you i'm i'm eight months pre-legalization was when i was in when i started learning and
1: getting into it Yeah, dude, I've been at it 21 years in Canada, uh, a bit in Mexico, but honestly, more as a consumer and just somebody chasing flavors down there. Um, Up here uh, is where I really learned everything from Canadian people that opened up their homes to me and that fucking taught me everything. Shout out Dr. Hornby and um, Marcus, you know, Bubble Man. Um, If it wasn't for Ryan Lee, if it wasn't for Remo, if it wasn't for... All these people that were so fucking kind to me, Johnny B, like all these people that I could just call up and ask questions, man, and hang out with Paul Hornby for a a few weeks and then fucking come out thinking totally differently about the plant. And these are the people that I'd like, and and, you know, may Paul rest in peace. And so many people that like uh, Subcool, may he rest in peace all these people that like were mentors to me that have passed away from this world now. And they never got their cred, man. They never, yeah. they never made their money and they never got their cred. And I feel like my work is great and I've done really good stuff. I want Mike especially to get cred for what he's done and, and to get him paid for his amazing plans that he's created with me and other work that he's sure to do after, after we've uh, worked together. Like I told you, I'm not, Gonna be doing a lot of breeding. I suspect Mikey Chi is gonna stay focused on breeding. Uh, my boy in East Coast, Michael Borg, he'll keep focused on breeding. Uh, I'm I'm just not in a economic situation right now where I can keep up my operation. Uh, I have to focus on building a company that will be successful enough to give me the wage that I require to get back to where I was. Yep. And uh, you know, lega- transition to legality has not been easy for me for the past seven years. It's not been like, uh, walk in the park. Uh, so Yeah, dude, it's now it's, the breeding is still going on. The breeding is still happening. I'm still going to do collabs with a bunch of people. Cactus Genetics and I right now are pairing up, and we're going to be doing some really cool work together. Uh, shout out to Cactus Genetics, because I think that crew is, like, one of the most progressive, groundbreaking breeding crews in Canada right now. Um, so, like, basically, my focus, dude, is, like, on community right now. And that's really what happens with book club, right? That's what book club is, you know, uh, we can segue on to that, but dude, have you, you, you came to book club? Did you trip? Were you here with us? Or no, no,
0: you I left, to, right? I you flew out that, day that, that afternoon. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't able to see you that Saturday. I saw Benny post a bunch. I've been, like, anytime I see it, I always try to watch the videos that you guys post and it, it looks exactly to the style of events that I want to, to have around here where it's just, let's get consumers who maybe it's a rotating flow of people because while you do one week that's hash, one week that's more flour because you have the space that can only accommodate that but if you can get people who are like-minded together sharing product and just talking about what's on the market the market's going (laughs) to improve right like
1: yeah
0: and it'll it'll open up so much information to be able to be shared right and just preventative purchases for some product because there's some stuff where it's like just don't avoid it It's not, the lot came out rough. It didn't come up to what we want, right? And just that kind of consumer safety, being able to talk amongst each other is a big benefit that we don't really have access to.
1: Yeah, man, I'll be honest with you. Uh, What better way to decide if you want to buy something, if you want to like get involved with a brand than to blaze or dab the product that they're going to be bringing to market with them Yep. with the people that are making the product. So you get a chance as a bud tender, as a manager, as a buyer, as an owner, whatever you are, to meet those people, see what kind of people they are, to see what kind of vision they have for their product, and then to compliantly taste it. Because remember that like the core thing about book club is it's not pay to play. Like, and, I, and by the way, dude, anybody that does the pay to play model, I respect it. Like, I, I think people gotta eat. And if that's what you're doing, and LPs is willing to give you money to share money uh, to share their product like that. I mean, it's not compliant, but I I don't give a fuck. I I've been non-compliant my whole life. I support you, and have uh, anybody doing these type of events out there? I say go at it. I yes. say go at it. Now. Some folks out there have definitely imitated our model to the T and even some of our look and given no shout out, given no phone call, given no nothing. That uh, feels a little yucky to me. But at the same time, I'm like, do what you got to do. Do what you do. I respect you. Go and go and put these gatherings together. We need them. We need these spaces, right? Uh, If you're going to replicate the book club model exactly like as in, I think the one thing that very few people are going to want to do about my model is that the thing where it's not pay to play. Yeah. We are not building this thing to have it make money that way. We're going to come up with other ways to sustain our operations, not necessarily make a bunch, but sustain our operations. And we, we think it's actually pretty crucial that there are instances and spaces where you literally just show up and bring your product and you're able to consume it. Yeah. That's kind of our intention, because I'll be honest with you, like, I'm friends with a lot of local micros here in BC, and not just micros, but like LPs that are new. And these people, they don't have a marketing budget, man. Nope. They ain't, they ain't even got money for somebody to go rep them on the street. These people are on the street themselves repping their own product. And I'm going to ask these people that I love that are making some of the best product in Canada drop $500, $1,000 to have, like, a little brand display and show their product. Like, no, man. Like, I'll do that if I'm doing a special event and I'm bringing a big artist that I need to, like, cover the fee or some shit yeah. like that. Sure. Then I'll, I'll, like, have some LPs sponsors that have the budget for it. But for my regular Friday night and for, like, every day at book club for members, our focus is basically to have the space. Uh, mind you that it's not like I'm telling you to come smoke in my room. People just happen to come and blaze and smoke there. Sometimes if there's too much of it going on or if I catch people, I'll like not be too cool with excess smoke or excess, you know. I, 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 as the tenant of that room, (laughs) am not supposed to be okay with people smoking in that room. But my landlord, it's a private space. It's my office uh, and the book club office at large and the landlord is totally okay with it. And that actually means that technically, as a private building, um, we are able to really do what we want, when we want. And that's the special thing about the book club space. Book club space is the closest thing you're gonna have to a compliant, uh, safe consumption space, right? Yeah. And I feel like that's, any form that that takes out there, it makes me happy. Any form that it takes out there in the world, it makes me happy. That's why we're doing this. We're doing this because we think this is needed at large. We're doing this because we think that this is something that needs to happen everywhere. And we're not the first. We are the first doing this exact model that we've created, where essentially any it's industry only. We don't just allow members of the public in. And anybody from the industry can just pay $10 and they can bring any, any flower they want, whether they're an LP or not, and they can show it to other people, show their pride in their selection or show their pride in their own work. And that's pretty much the entire gist, the gist of it is a level playing field for everyone, anyone to come in and be hyped about product and geek out with other people that are at that same level where we're not just weed geeks, we're in the weed business, it's our life, it's what we live and breathe. I think you know a little bit about that. So basically, yeah, dude, it's it's honestly, uh, I love everything I've done with my career up to now, dude. I'll be honest with you. I, I love everything. You know, I got to be an advisor for prime minister of Jamaica. I've written papers and provided advice for the legislature in Mexico. I helped the city of Vancouver write the first set of regulations for dispensaries in Canada I published the first opiate substitution study. All that shit was awesome, dude. This thing, book club, to me, is probably the most special I've ever fucking done. Because, dude, it's like the people wanted it so bad. And I didn't really know that it it was that badly. Like, I didn't think it was going to be a big deal, dude. I thought we were going to do this night. And, like, people were going to be like, I was going to get 10, 15 people there. We're going to have a good time. That's what it was going to stay at. All of a sudden, we started seeing 40, 50, 60 people out there. All of a sudden, we were seeing new cultivars that nobody had ever seen before being brought to that group. All of of a sudden, we're seeing LPs just show up and show us product before they launch it to get a gist for how people are vibing on it before you even hit market with it, man. And that's when I was like, click. Okay, shit, man. This is like, it's happening organically. People, like, want it. Right, So it's. It, I, I feel like, honestly, it's not my project. It's not my idea. Uh, shout out to Pete and to Axel, who Pete Pitson, Axel Colin, uh, two of my uh, Canterrep students who were actually the first people to sit on a park bench and ask other people, yo, bring your stuff. Let's talk about it. They were the first two to do that on a park bench. That's what it grew out of. That was happening like summer last last year, dude. Summer last year, and now we've got head offices. Now we've got this beautiful space. We've got investors. We've got like an ability to do stuff that I think a lot of people would want to do, but the lack of capital, the lack of community doesn't allow it to happen. So it's, it's a community uh, effort. And that's what makes it so special to me that it's like, I don't feel... Like, it's mine or me pushing it. I'm just riding the wave with everybody behind it going, fuck, yeah, this is what needs to happen. And it just feels like 2004 dispensary work again, bro. It feels like, because my mom and dad at first were, like, horrified. They were like, dude, don't do it. They're going to throw you out of Canada. Dude, I was, a, I was an immigrant on a fucking student visa. I was so hyped on it. Dude, if they would have caught me, they would have shipped me right out of the country. I was so hyped on it that I went and I volunteered for, like... Years no pay at dispensaries and people were like man like why aren't you getting paid a and b why the fuck are you doing it these people are like using you i'm like no man these people are teaching me every day i learn about cultivars growers i connect with growers i meet all the growers and i'm like y'all don't understand what that what the value of that will be later in my life Because you know i mark my words that that like excitement that I felt bubbling in my stomach that was like instinctual. Where I was like, I'm going the right way. Other people wouldn't, you know, right now, but I, I'll be honest with you. When I told my mama, mama, I'm I'm running, you know, a vapor and smoke lounge. And she was like, Adolfo, what the fuck, man? You were running like way more. <laughs> she was like, ah, oh, you're going to do bigger and better things. And I'm like, no mom, you don't understand. So you don't get it. Again, I was like, remember 2004 when I started volunteering at dispensaries? You thought it was fucking crazy? And look, and like, look, it worked out. I'm like, I'm telling you, just this is a good move. And anybody out there, Trev, thinking about doing similar stuff, like, I'm just like, get ready to deal with your city, get ready to deal with your municipality, just like I did at all those dispensaries that I helped to run back in the day. I was that dude that when the cops came, yo, call Adolfo, man. And every time, (laughs) And every time I managed to avoid our dispensary getting raided, okay? Uh, Eden was one of the few dispensaries that when the cops came, uh, we fought them on them taking our product every single time. And our patients, they, at the time, they were patients. These people had federal certificates yeah. for obtaining cannabis. Uh, we were very stringent when we first opened Eden, uh, something that kind of changed later, but uh, but you know, Um, it was, uh, it it was this time, man, it was this time that I just knew some shit was happening. And right now something's happening again in the industry, the industry's settling. Yeah. I think, you know, that Trevor, I think we were were talking about this at the, in the, um, the conference. Yeah. The industry's settling. All the shit is flown. Everybody knows who's a bullshitter. It's going to settle now. And now we're going to start seeing new advances. The next wave, it's like the 2.0 of legalization. And I really feel like consumption spaces are, it's the thing that needs to happen, like, now. Well, Especially with the smoking bylaws that we have all over Vancouver, man. It's nuts, dude. You can't smoke anywhere, man. Like, what the fuck? And then, and, and we, if you if you rent in an apartment, do you have a roommate? Or like me in my apartment, dude, in my apartment building, my my strata is like, uh-uh. No, no, they know who I am, dude. They're like, Adolfo Gonzalez, we're watching you. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, dude, I needed for me a safe consumption space was a game changer. You can ask my crew. I'm in book club like quite regularly between all the me, all my, when I'm doing all my meetups with the stores, I like make sure that my circuit stops at book club (laughs) at one point during the day. It's like, yeah, man, you don't want to be smoking on the road in your car, right? You don't want to be smoking outside the dispensary you just visited. Right? And the, the fucking owner comes out. They're like, hey, Adolfo, you're on the job. You're taking a toke. Uh, okay, bro. It, no, you don't want that. You want to be off the street. You want to be indoors because it's cold as fuck out there. Yeah, so it's basically my dream, dude. Uh, I'm sure, though, you have... I'm going to stop talking. As you know, I'm a talker. <laughs> so I'm sure you have some questions in questions.
0: Well, me. I was actually building off of what you said a little while ago about building out the community and and like creating resources for people that you don't even know know that are utilizing them. Last night I just found out about this, and I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it. So Amy Batista, she runs a store in Spruce Grove, I believe. She had a couple of students from the University of Alberta that worked within their theater program come in to get some advice and information on a project they were working on. And they wanted some terminology and some like essentially a walkthrough on bong terminology how to use it and whatnot amy directed them to my profile my instagram profile and the entire theater program utilized that to kind of de- develop into this project they're doing the terminology and the uses of the bongs and then it at the end of the project apparently they thanked me as an individual and amy just told me about this last night didn't have a clue that this happened but it's just providing that information to be able to have people outside of the community get access to it and educate themselves on it is I'm right in that same wheelhouse, like building up that, that connection and just the open network for people to come in and learn is huge. Like we, we can't have, that is probably the biggest misstep with the legalization is we don't have, we legalized purchase, but we didn't like legal consumption almost.
1: It, that's a beautiful thing, though, Trev. You know, that's the same reason why we were able to get away with murder in the early 2000s, right <laughs> through the mid-2000s, into the fucking, uh, the crazy era of post-2010, when we had a dispensary on every corner, an illicit <laughs> dispensary on every corner of every street. Uh, the reason why we could do crazy shit like that is because the police knew that what was going on was not right. And if they took us to court... And they kept taking us to court we would keep winning supreme court battles overturning laws that only made it more complex and more difficult for them to persecute us in the court of law so uh currently people need to understand that that's decent. yeah and listen by the way all my people at book club need to know this is not a suicide kamikaze mission okay i'm not like <laughs> I'm not creating this thing because I want the city to come get me. No, man, we're trying to be as compliant as we can. We've put in air ducts. We ask people not to smoke. We ask them. If people continue to do so, we just don't have security. Okay, nobody's gonna enforce it like that. And yes, people sometimes dab and smoke inside of our space. And yes, that is what makes our gathering sometimes somewhat special because these kinds of spaces, Shout out to everyone who's on the pot block. That would be uh, even though I'm not a huge supporter of Mr. Mark Emery on a personal basis, uh, I believe that Mr. Mark Emery has had, uh, in general, positive impact on the availability of uh, safe consumption spaces. Okay, Anybody who are you against that, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. And also, big shout out to Amsterdam Cafe. Both of those spots have been, I think, a uh, huge inspiration for book club uh, we've made sure to like from square one we've been in touch with those people we've been talking to them about what we're doing uh, in fact uh, some of the employees from amsterdam cafe have become members of book club and vice versa i am a member of the amsterdam we have those friendly relationships and we all got to push together look the ogs are those people on that pop block and those are the ogs in like canada wide uh, also uh, big shout out to abby also because she yeah. was a, a really significant force out east, and nobody really held their ground like she did. Shout out Abby Roach, right? 100%. So We've all got to pay heed to the people that like set the standard, that opened up the, the pathway. Now it's time for all of us to come in and do a slight bit of civil disobedience as a community, demonstrate the fact that Uh, We're ready for this, and we're not going to necessarily wait for you to decide when it's appropriate for us to have our legal and personal rights respected, okay? Because as Trevor, you just pointed out, you cannot logically legalize the sale and consumption of this and not provide us with places for that to happen. That is a nonsensical, illogical way to proceed, and it's affecting people. And it's not just affecting recreational consumers like my man here, Trev. It's affecting medical consumers yes. like me. Me and when me. When I oh you're you're
0: medical too, bro. Dude, I, I transitioned because of an EMS injury. I oh, started shit. using I cannabis medically okay. first and foremost for um like a back injury. And okay. then I start and then I realized that it had huge mental health. Um, benefits for me and i actually utilized it to control because it was like eight months before i realized i had major mental health problems from that accident because i was just i was in so much pain i was just coping through the pain i got into a back of the ambulance and i almost blacked out from a panic attack because that's where i was in the accident i'm like okay there's something wrong here it was almost two years of treatment i went through for my back injury and my mental health and i and it's the reason i'm no longer working ems is because i use cannabis as my medicinal support versus hardcore opiates t3s and Shit. psych meds I, that is the reason why i'm no longer working as a paramedic
1: wow i didn't know that about you trev that's crazy man that's that's, that's why story, I went dude. From
0: zero to 60 man i went i i had to learn all about it on the medical side because that's my purpose for using and i was arguing against alberta health services um ems And the workers' compensation board. I had to justify every single decision I had. And I had no medical support because I went and got my medical card just so I can go, it's legit. It's Health Canada approved. So you can't tell me that this isn't a legitimate prescription. And then I had to go, well, what are you taking? Well, here. And I was talking through the counselors, the psychiatrists, the actual MDs. And I'm explaining the chemical reaction and how it's benefiting me. And they're like, oh, but we could just give you this. And it does the same thing. I'm like, no, it doesn't. That stops the receptor from feeling pain. This allows me to feel pain, but gives me the motivation to go about my life and find an alternative way to enjoy it. Yeah, I can't run, but I can go and watch somebody else play football and at least enjoy the
1: game. Dude, when somebody like you or I think about this, man, because it looks like you have your own place there. It looks like you have a dab piece on the table. It looks like you can consume at home. I can't consume at home. And like me, think about this, like, because we're on commercial drive, right? Think about commercial drive a little bit. I don't, Trev, you, you don't, I don't know if you've spent a lot of time. It's like the, the more like, it's uh, definitely not the wealthiest community, even though property values have spiked like crazy. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of middle-income housing. There's a lot of really expensive houses too. Most of them have been converted to middle-income yeah. housing. And um, a lot of people that have middle-income housing, like me, We don't have a place to consume. We we literally have to go outside our house in winter and stand there outside. Uh, I'm a joint smoker. So I have to consume that joint for 20 minutes. I have to stand there outside the cold for 20 minutes. Uh, I don't have ACLs and I dislocated and separated my arm from my shoulder, uh, broke my humerus in half. Cold makes my arthritis go fucking crazy. So you're asking me, to go stand out in the fucking cold all winter when we have cold spurts, when we have rain, when we have snow, all that shit. You want me to go stand out there? And I'm saying I'm not even that sick. I didn't bang my body up that badly. I worked in the downtown east side for close to a decade. I know people that have living situations where they cannot smoke indoors and they're in a fucking wheelchair. Yeah. And they have seriously crippling arthritis or they have another condition where their mobility is limited and their medicine of choice is cannabis and they've got nowhere to fucking go. And I find that to be actually criminal. I find that to be in violation of of, uh, the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, where we are allowed to pursue happiness, freedom. We're allowed to pursue health. We're allowed to be human. And... Smoking weed is a normal human thing to do. People need to deal with it. They need to deal with it. Oh, but it's smoke. <laughs> you know what? It's the only kind of smoke that we have not been able to prove if it's carcinogenic. In fact, we've got some data that indicates that it might counteract carcinogenic effects in your, in your lungs caused by other forms of smoke. It's very confusing because there are absolutely carcinogenics in cannabis smoke. The question is, does cannabis star, tar, and does cannabis smoke leave lesions or any kind of, you know, any kind of adverse effect on your pulmonary system? And the answer to that is, it can. It can as I cough, it can. But the average consumer and secondhand smoke from this particular source, uh, the data we've compiled, which is rather expensive, is not like that of tobacco. It's very different. And it's not like that of cooking oil in your hut, which is uh, one of the most common forms of death in developing countries where, you know, you don't have a proper chimney, you don't have a way to evacuate uh, the flame that you're going to be lighting inside your hut and people inhale that, then they die. And so, again, like, I know that humans are very traumatized by this type of knowledge. And it's true. Most times you want to avoid smoke. Cannabis smoke needs to be reconsidered, scientifically and socially. Uh, needs to be re- our concept of it needs to be rebuilt and shisha bars are another big one for me man shisha is a culturally it's important to people from the middle east man you're going to tell these people they can't have a shisha bar so you're telling me that as a free canadian individual you can't choose to go into a space where other people are consuming a bit of tobacco with mint and other types of products inside of a burning ember I'm sorry. I'm totally against that, man. Shisha bar should be allowed, and I think that that's a that's that's fertile ground for civil disobedience, and safe consumption spaces are beyond fertile fertile ground. They should be happening. We're glad that book club has basically kicked a lot of people into motion. They've seen what we're doing, and we're like, fuck, man, we're gonna do this too. I love it. Bring it. I'm not Bring gonna it. lie. I'm not gonna
0: lie. Book club gives me a framework where. I'm organizing my events. If I can find space like it, I can use it as a it's working over here. Why can't it work here? That's and that's all I need. You just need the proof of the cause, the proof that it can function, then there's gonna be a bunch of people doing it. Right. Like I was telling you about the event that I'm trying to get together. It's 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 taken a couple steps forward last night, and it's almost to the point where I can start actively talking about it and promoting it. And it looks like it's actually going to be more than just a singular. We might actually blow it out to be three different times, which would be awesome. Where we could have three different groups of people involved and really expand it out to a, a whole community access. And when I heard the 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 person that I'm going to be working with on this want to expand it to that, I got I got a huge excitement because I'm like, okay, three opportunities for community networking and the industry as a whole to connect and focus on with that. That the documentary being so focused on ter- terroir and healthy, holistic cannabis growth, it's gonna open up conversation for a lot of people, and that's the fr- Frenchy Dreams of Hashish is the documentary. If you guys haven't seen it, check it out. Like if you if you have any interest or passion about cannabis, you have to check it out because it's not just a hash documentary. It talks so much more on the actual plant and what is needed to be able to create good quality hash and that's good quality flower which comes from good quality terrar which it all leads back to the ground that we're planting it in and the people who are taking care of the plants
1: and trevor i have to thank you because you know due to your invitation i brought it to the book club board and it sounds like everybody's down so it seems like we'll be having a showing a book club too thanks to you brother well i'm i'm glad
0: that you are right like I, and that's that's the thing i i want to if i get an idea to try and do something and there's somebody else that's doing something very similar and if environment that I can't get to. Here. Run run with it. Get it it's the same that same idea that you have. I'm all about growing this community and trying to get it to where it should have been on day one of legalization. And if we yeah. can get that at year 5, year 6, year 7, that's a win to me because most of us were thinking about it in a decade into the industry. And right. realistically, we're closer to year 5, year 6, year 7 to having that be a real a reality because it sounds like we've got um there's one cigar lounge in Alberta and it's on A reserve Mm. it sounds like they're transitioning to a cannabis consumption lounge as well
1: Mm. and if they're set
0: up for a cigar lounge that i don't see why they wouldn't allow smoke-based consumption and it's on a reservation so they follow different regulations
1: oh shit that's great if
0: that if that place flips over i'm gonna be there as much as possible to promote that because and it being in edmonton is gonna be a huge benefit on top of it
1: i love it i love what i'm hearing man yeah, honestly, who better than Native people to open this shit wide open, man? That'll be fucking awesome. And you know what? Like, that's I I'm sure because I haven't spent enough time on enough reserves down there. I'm sure it's already happening, you know? So, like, yeah, man, I'm stoked to hear that, dude. That's gonna be fucking awesome. You know, and one thing I can tell anybody out there that's thinking about doing it, the one thing I can tell you is work on your ventilation ahead of time. <laughs> get some good ventilation in there. Again, I am the voice of reason in this space. I try to keep people from not dabbing or smoking too much in there, but there's like sometimes 20 joints lit at the same time when I'm looking away. And and it gets fucking smoky as hell. And I'm telling you, even though people are like, (laughs) hot bucks, man, it's awesome. Trust me, there's like a lot of people that don't like it. And you'll scare a lot of people away, especially the dabbers, if you do not have good air circulation, dabbers, they do not like stale smoke sitting there while they're taking their dab. fucks up all the flavor, right? So uh, if you want the community to stay united, <laughs> you got to move that air, baby.
0: Oh, well, right? exactly. You either have to have atomizers that are working really good to, to clean that air or be f- pushing it from one end to the other. And you almost need the atomizers at
1: the one end that you're pushing the air through. <laughs> have that dual effect. I so it suck suck as much air out as you can yeah. basically. Right now, I'm gonna be probably adding a basically an industrial level, kind of like the one they have at uh Anybody who's been to Amsterdam Cafe knows what I'm talking yeah. about. Amsterdam Cafe is a properly ventilated smoke lounge. That is truly an inspiration. Do they have a massive vent like that big? That's like... a <laughs> I was just going to say,
0: the lift after party, we were testing that shit.
1: Dude, (laughs) how many joints were were lit at the same time? There was, like, no smoke. Now, mind you, they have a very tall ceiling, which is another big advantage. I've seen some spaces in Toronto that are opening up that have nice, tall ceilings. That is a good, good choice. The club has a low ceiling, so I'm having to put a shit ton of vents. But you know what? set your mind to it you shall conquer because people thought i couldn't do it and go to book club today oh my god it's like it's like the, the suction in there it is beautiful suction
0: Anyway. That, that amsterdam cafe was beautiful like i Absolutely. i wanted to check it out when i was in in the city and in vancouver area last year when i was up there visiting with the in-laws but i i am so glad i waited until that lift after party it was the much better environment to go and get that first introduction right where it's it's busy. There's a bunch of people that are just excited to be there and network. It, it was definitely a good vibe overall.
1: Yeah, man. I love that this conversation is focused on that because it is so timely. And I think a lot of people watching this will enjoy us on, you know, pushing this thing forward and hopefully inspiring some more people to be like, "Huh, can this happen? And I have to give a big shout out to Burb as well, because Book Club would not have happened without them helping us connect with that space. They know the landlord of the space. Uh, They are are the ones who got us the lease. They are the ones who helped us uh, decide on the look a lot. I'm not a look guy, and Burb looks fucking amazing. And the Burb peeps are like, especially John Kay, uh, just knew how to make it look right. I think if I would have done it, it would have looked a lot shabbier, shantytown style. You know? Yeah, but uh, it feels like a refined space. So I have to give shout out to the people who made that space happen. Because at the end of the day, people, really, this whole smoke lounge and vape lounge thing is about the space. It's about yeah. having that landlord that's cool. You don't want to lie to your landlord, people. That's going to make you enter into a lease that you're going to have to break soon after. And you're going to have a pissed off landlord that might even call the city on you. And then the city's going to be not so happy with you. Right. The least thing you can do for your city is use a private space where the landlord is informed and they are fine with the building that they own, the private building that they own being used in that way. Okay? So anyways, folks, try and be as... Try, remember that civil disobedience and be doing it right? The reason I didn't get my shit taken from those dispensaries because when they, they came in, they saw a properly run establishment that had done everything within our power to be compliant. Everything we could do, we did. So that when they came my shit. My patients were in the entry ground entry room and they were like, hey dude, I've got a federal license. They required a federal license to join this club. Did you think that 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 those were the rules here? And the police were like, oh fuck, we don't we probably don't want to take these people in because yeah. if they fight us on it, it's only going to look bad in front of my sergeant. And then they might overturn some municipal bylaws that then really pisses off the city that makes them go, oh copper, what the fuck did you do? Yeah. So yeah, at the end of the day, we, we have remember that that's the name of the game. The name of the game is be smart. Don't be stupid about it. Be Think about your patrons, take care of your patrons. Do not allow people consuming random amounts of other drugs in there. It's not like, don't do safe consumption space in my opinion for like anything. Uh, in my opinion, try to be focused as, as much as you can on cannabis because you can specialize your space and your services for cannabis. For the cannabis people, for the cannabis community, right? Absolutely. Coke people and cannabis people don't tend to mix so well. And I don't know if anybody's noticed that.
0: Yeah. But. Well, well, there's there's certain things that the there's a handful of cannabis community like to go down the extra rabbit hole. They like to go and visit Wonderland <laughs> a little bit further, but and the edibles aren't quite enough. There there needs to be a little fungus or a little bit of a. Ooh, and nothing's wrong.
1: And people got to know that. Like when I saw cocaine's going basically legal in BC, yeah. I was happy. We need, we need all of the, all of the harm reduction we can get down here. Cause I have friends that have died from doing a line because it wasn't just Coke in there. And and like, I'm, I'm of the mentality
0: of, of, of approach. That's a little bit closer to Portugal's where the consumer is not getting criminally charged. They're being pulled out of their area and not pulled out of their area, but they're being relocated and attempted to being reintegrated into the community. That's what we should have for, for the consumers and the people who have drug issues, because if you can, if they can create a healthy network of people that aren't connected to the drug, they can pull themselves out of it a little bit easier.
1: It's not a solo battle. And also, I'm of the thought that when you get to a certain age and when you're uh, an adult, uh, you should be able to choose to use pure heroin or pure cocaine as just because you want to. Yep. I think like an old person should not have to be questioned whether or not they. you're retired and you have the money and the means. Um, that's what you want to do with your life. Uh, the thing is, a lot of people will choose to do that with their life, but then they have to access dirty supply, yep. which makes it way more complex to get off it, to stay alive, to... So I just think that, like, if you want to use drugs, you should be using... You should have access to safe supply. I don't think it's necessarily the role of the movement that I'm kind of, like, discussing on this show to provide that wider range of services. I think the state needs to pull their head out of their ass, allow more insight-type services for heroin, provide specialized services for people recovering from crack cocaine and, and cocaine. Um, each drug gets its own thing man and like you said each drug's gonna rec- require its own recovery community and recovery uh, specialization service specialized services right so yeah yeah it's long battle man but we gotta stop the death that's number one i think the city of vancouver has got the right choice and i'm of the mind that this is the right city to allow this movement to pick up flame yeah. And for the rest of the country to go, okay, we can't stop this, right? Because people want this and you can do it safely and compliantly. And I think it's up to us to show that, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and the way I look at it is we should be protecting the consumers because there's some people who are like, like we said, the addicts who they're not even a, of choice consumer at this point, they're physically addictive and they're needing that supply to be able to just maintain their life of what they have. Yeah. Now, the people who are providing those dirty drugs we should be going after them we're having a different conversation the suppliers and the consumers are two totally different people and it's well, it, we and are it's but remember that crim- criminalizing
1: that criminalizing these kids that are street dealers man it's not the best choice either in my opinion i, I got and to know a lot of the sorry
0: i i'm not meaning that like the dealers i'm talking the actual like the larger scale provide the people who are creating Right?
1: Well, that's going after the Mexicans, bud. And, you know, Canada, yeah. likes, Canada likes to think that we're not part of uh, the chain of fuckery around money laundering <laughs> and getting paid from the gangsters. And oh, unfortunately, we're Canada is highly compliant in that. And a lot of really powerful people are making a lot of money from that trade. So uh, it's funny how the Americans and the Canadians are like, we got to go after the Mexicans. But I'm like, dude, we got to go. The truth is... Like, I've met a lot of these people in Sinaloa and shit. And I, and I look at them, the source of the entire thing, and I'm like, you know what? I think a lot of these guys we should be going after. I think a lot of these guys need to get integrated. I think a lot... Of, in fact, I think fixing the entire problem is countries like my country stopping to fight them at just like they did in Colombia, and finding ways of actually integrating them, not like they did in Colombia, where they're like, we're going to get you jobs, and we're going to get you well-paid and you're going to run your, your sector that you're currently in possession of and you're going to be able to grow, weed there and make lots of money and then they fuck them after and then those groups are obviously not going to be too cool with that. So I think actually the, the, the Colombian example is it's a good way to start thinking about it except that we have to follow through on our promises to those groups because otherwise shit will get real ugly, I promise you that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Hate what they I think were that old. honestly... The, the drug war is just the biggest failure in the history of human life. and I think that every form of the drug war needs to be ceased entirely, and I think that uh, there is no drug, not even the one that's killing all of our children, which, by the way, is oftentimes extracted from legal sources, <laughs> obtained from legal sources. We forget that, that the drug that's killing all of our children in Canada right now is utilized safely by the medical establishment. And that if we only found ways of making it so that these enterprises that are everywhere throughout the world are not just seen as criminal organizations that are acting separate from the state. Once we see them as being part of the state, as we do in Mexico, as we cannot do in Canada yet, but trust me, we're not that different up here, that's when everything changes. We realize that the criminal is still our brother and our sister. And that criminal that kidnapped people, that murdered people, that we still have to think of them humanly. And yeah. we have to stop this whole thing at the source. And they are the source. So there's no other fucking way to do it. But you know what, dude? Uh, Trev, I'm, a little bit of an, I'm a little bit of an extremist when it comes to that kind of shit. Only because of the life that I've lived, And because I've had the insight to meet the, the murderers and to meet the people that are doing shit that are... Ugh, and going, even you are a fucking human, ain't eh? Goddamn. <laughs> you know? Oh, like...
0: Yeah, well, That's exactly it. You've had, you've had different exposures and having growing up in Mexico, you would have those connections. You you like, you would know people who potentially would have been driven into that yeah. environment. So you have a lot more of a, of a personal connection where me, it's that disassociated. I'm still looking at it from a human level. And it's just, I look at it as the people who are intentionally doing harm. Those are the ones we should be going after. Anybody that's just trying to provide a service it's a little bit of a different because for me it's intent if you're intending to harm those are the type of people that i think we should be trying to 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 assent, not necessarily punish but identify and prove that they're the issue from then oh, on whoa. anybody else is trying to provide a service it's it's argumentative that they're just
1: doing a job yeah the thing it's is buddy that our government where, knows who's who and who's doing what and they choose not to do anything about it okay yeah. i'm just going like people that are at the top so high up there that like (laughs) if you knew their stories and you talk to them and you meet them you're like oh okay yeah so it's not like it's the big it's a big game that's been going on really since the turn of the century but more so since the 70s and the 60s man and like it's a it's a money-making endeavor just like the way our prison system is run just like so many things are done in modernity that is illogical nonsensical looking away from the science and the data, looking away from what we know about sociology, anthropology, psychology, looking away from the soft sciences and thinking of world in a purely materialistic framework, which is the way that in the West we think and the way that we grow up. Uh, I also had the benefit of going and taking an anthropology degree and taking a psychology degree and having my Mexican mind flipped on its head because Mexicans don't think any of this shit, man. We're very uh, old school and the way we think about you know, everything, man, people of color, women, everything, Mexicans are, Mexicans are on another level, man, but the nice thing is that being in Canada, dude, and getting the chance to soak up uh, this culture, and then traveling throughout the world, you definitely, like, uh, the more I travel, the more I, like, when I spend time in China, and I spend time in Southeast Asia, you really get a totally different way of looking at shit, and you learn to stop to stop thinking so much in the way that our parents were thinking because our parents think like people from here. And the more you internationalize, the way you look at the human being, the more you're like, okay, man, we're all some shit that we think is fucked up. Other people are doing all day and other th- things that we're doing that are completely fucked up. Like look at poverty. look at like so many things that like a country like China resolved and we think they're totally fucked up and they're having the homeless people on the street and they don't have addicts and they don't have Murder rates, and then we have all this stuff that the United States and Canada has. So for me, it's like, and at the same time, China has a shit ton of stuff that I'm like, okay, well, they have their own set of issues. Right. So I think that, like, when you go to a country like Mexico and you spend a lot of time there, that's what happens to you over time. You realize that the gangsters are not just the bad guys, and that the government is not just the bad guys. It's so complex that it's like life is just infinitely. Every character in life has dark and, and lights, and there is no character or being or non human uh, uh, organization that doesn't have that quality to it. And it's more about learning how to put the pieces together to make them work differently than they currently are and being dissatisfied with the current arrangement. I think that is the, the crux of the matter. And I know, bro, that I'm talking to somebody that's 100% there. I'm not, I'm preaching to the choir. And dude, what a great space you've created here, man, that we can have these kind of geeky yet, you know, so like relevant conversations to what we're about, man. So well, absolutely. So, uh, thank you for giving me the platform and the soapbox, man. I really, I really appreciate it, man.
0: Well, absolutely. And that's like that's the I was actually talking about this this yesterday, what you're just saying. And the way that I explained it is there's a 2D plane of thinking, which is almost what our parents have, where it's it's this or this, or it's somewhere in the middle. We have what I call a 3D spectrum of thinking. We can look at it from that line, but at the same time, we can flip it 150, 180 degrees upside down and look and see how what we think is the positive is the most negative outcome and how what we think is negative is the most positive outcome. And that ability to look at it at all sides of the, of the essentially, you're not looking at, A circle you're looking at a sphere and if you can see the sphere you're going to look at all the problems and anything that's going on and you'll end up finding the middle point a little bit Mm -hmm. more appealing where yeah you got to give up some of what you want but you can at least explain that it's an equal give for the other person and it's that compromise and finding that mutual growth
1: exactly it's the real rubik's cube of life my friend (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah man yeah man Great fucking talk, man. Damn. I got to look at your other episodes, dude. Oh, What else has been going on? Yeah, man.
0: Yeah, I've got, there's some actually really good ones. Uh, The one from last week I had Jordan on, we really went into a lot of the products. And we went into like storage with AGLC and just a, a big point of it was we were talking about how they're still taking the same pay without running the operating or operating the Alberta (laughs) cannabis.org. And we're like, it wouldn't be paying the fees that the companies are paying wouldn't be as big of an issue. If AGLC instituted cryo storage for the product. And and it's it's funny, I brought that up and he's just like, yeah, if we were paying the same prices, but you're getting product that's nine months old, but it's been cold stored and maintained the quality and you get it and it's fresher.
1: Dude, I have this theory that, and I know the BCLVB will hate me if they hear this, but shout out, you know, I respect you guys. I, I love a lot of you. But I have this theory that since DD got fired up in BC, there's some, like, they, they threw a gremlin into the works at their website and shit. Like, I think they were like, so wait, we can take the same pay, but not run this warehouse. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're so like, so if we're horrible enough at our job, you mean maybe people will stop you know, relying on us for this centralized service and maybe we could just take the pay and not do the service. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, but DCLDB out of all the provinces out there, geez, Louise, come on. And, I, and listen, I respect you a lot because you let potluck and station house in and those are great products that should be in your market because people want them. But for God's sakes, like <laughs> you guys... You're not even doing first in, first out. You know that? You don't even have FIFO down. Like, you're sending people old ass product that you've forgotten the back and, and <laughs> sending <AGLC>? them like <laughs> it's the most recent drop. Everybody knows what's going on. And it's like, either do the job or don't do the job because it's like, man, like, oh.
0: Well, hey, AGLC, so if perfect. you order multiple boxes, you could get different lots. You could get a new Alberta one, an old one, Alberta and a semi old one.
1: Bro, Alberta's like so much easier to deal with in there. On it, they were answering their emails. Anyways, the, uh, yeah, it's uh, BCLDB respect because, again, you let us in, but you can't keep me in stock, for example. You know that, like, potluck sells out too quick. People can't re-up. And then when we, <laughs> I don't know why. Why, like, uh, we're selling the shit out of it and it can't be stocked in sufficient amount ever? Ever? So, yeah, and, and then we don't have DD. That's the problem. Hopefully... They'll allow uh, play. I, I think that DD should be something that it should not be exclusive to the province. And I, I think that like, it should be anybody with good pro- product should have direct access to retailers. And it's a country we're federally integrated. We should all be playing together, you know, but anyways, just my two bits.
0: <laughs> well, and and for me, the the direct delivery, if you want to have kind of a trial period to see if the company can run it, you got six months within your province to see if you can successfully run DD, get your program up and running. And then after the six months, you show that you can successfully fill all your orders within your province. Here's Canada. And at that point, you get six months to build your framework. And then the next six months, you blow out and you go to Canada. And then you can also build up your brand. You can do it, it gives the scalability to it a little bit easier option, right?
1: Fully agree, dude. I think DD is the way forward. The only problem is the functionality of a lot of these DD sites sucks. Well, people gotta get on it. Yeah. No, no sending in a form for requesting the DD people. Come on. Like make a make like a fluid payment process, fluid delivery process. Like I, yeah, I would try, love, like I would love to see if the Alberta
0: government allowed a private opportunity to do the same thing that they're doing just a private company to come in and do the exact same thing to where they're just providing the delivery service
1: out here in BC, we've got herbal dispatch. That's doing a good job of bringing together a bunch of good brands under one roof. They do place order uh, shout out to herbal dispatch. I think a lot of people are going to be doing that in BC because we don't have that restriction here. And you're right, dude, that that's the answer. The answer is unite under a single banner and have people be able to view multiple products, multiple brands, place order, and delivery from a single source right So that's a fluid purchasing experience people that have like three products on the dd platform even if it's fluid you're probably not going to see too much movement man so,
0: cool. well and that's that's the thing is if i were to go and do something like that i'd go and hit up as many of the small craft micro facilities and just have a list of good
1: products right yeah, but if you got to place individual orders and individual websites, that creates a lot of logistical burden on your ordering. So
0: well, if- I would mean like if I were to do that collective, that would be the flavors and tastes that I'd be focusing towards as a bunch of the smaller producers. So that then when you could go to the dispensary, I'm, that, that, I'm just saying that from if I were to cur- curate that direct delivery brand, it'd be going after the Crafts and Micros in Alberta.
1: What's your favorite flower in Alberta right now? Go.
0: Favorite flower right now. Honestly, the one that I've been loving the most has been that uh, peanut butter breath from distinct. And now that. Oh shit. And if you can find the ones with a February lot, they've added humidity packs from then on. And it has like a vanilla and peanut butter. Batter taste to it. It is really good flour. Hmm. Integra packs or Bovia packs? Uh, I'm not sure which one they're going to be adding because I did my two reviews and that's the one thing I suggested. I'm like, you guys need to add some humidity packs. And I got a message to like a week after I put it on there. They're like, from February on, the humidity packs are being added.
1: Like, <laughs> so that's... funny though, because you know, so many people are hating on the packs right now, dude. So many people are like, it takes aroma away. Yeah, I can't. I, I hear I can't. the
0: argument on the Bovita side, and it's funny. You hear more from the terp, Bovita having the Terp steal, and You, I haven't heard as much of that, but it's starting to come a little bit. <laughs> Not as much, but it's starting to. I just, I've got I don't a know. Theory.
1: I got a theory about the Terp steal, <laughs> and I don't think it's stealing Terps at all. I think it's impossible for it to be stealing turps. Yeah. Typically speaking, I think it's. It's ridiculous, but I think what is happening is that the H2O barrier that it creates around the monoterps might be creating a little bit of nose lock, not necessarily flavor lock on the burn, but a little bit of nose lock when you pop open your jar, which creates the impression, because think about it, right? Yeah. With more moisture, H2O combined with volatiles, will make those less aromatic, less perceptible by your olfactory nerve. You're increasing right? the shell on and, the outside of the And think aroma. about it also, that H2O layer creates a lower dissipation rate for the volatiles. So that means less volatiles are leaving the product, hence less aroma is hitting your nose. Yeah. So I think that that's the actual answer. I don't think that Bovita's actually suck flavor at all. I think that like they preserve terpenes, they preserve flavor, but you will notice it more on the burn than you will when you open up your jar. If you're like smelling it, I think there is a chance. And by the way, I don't think it happens with every batch at all. If you're putting moisture back into it, the nose will come out a bit more usually. But if you're putting it in and you're already right around the 11.5 MC, you're putting in that 62% or the 58%. And it's not actually increasing your internal RH. Your internal RH was already going to be established at a perfectly fine level around the 60% RH to have long term uh, storage capacity, right? Yeah. So I think a lot of people will put that in when it's not really necessary. And I think that under those specific conditions, sometimes it can create a bit of nose lock, not flavor lock. In my, in my humble opinion, I think that's what's going on. That's my theory. It's a pet theory, it's not published. So it's not necessarily something that's written in stone, but does it make sense to you, Triff? what
0: I'm well, saying? Like the, the way that I would, f- the, because the analogy that I'd put that is the water's creating an eggshell around the volatile so yeah. that it doesn't explode. Exactly. exactly. And when you run it through your grinder, you get that explosive yeah. aroma because once it's ground, it's just as potent as it was day one. Sorry. So that that's, I could see that. And that eggshell is kind of the best way that I think could I could describe it because it just gives that protect. It's still... Soft, but it's enough of a protection that if it's bouncing around, it's not going to break off.
1: I think that's what's going on. And makes sense also. Think about like a, what we call the Hawaiian hot box, right? Like when you yep. go into, yeah, you go into the bathroom when you were a, a teenager and you're blazing down in the bathroom with the hot water running and it's creating steam. And that means that like all of the volatiles from the smoke are being encapsulated in water molecules, being carried away and also just being encapsulated so that you can't really smell it. Like the particulate is probably still residually in there but it's like been encapsulated in moisture which just keeps it away from our olfactory nerve it's not coming directly in in touch with that compound as much so it just makes sense scientifically and like comparatively in terms of like previous you know methods like those right yeah and that deduction makes makes sense right it's
0: just it's kind of putting the science and the information that we have already and just kind of deducing what we think would make most sense. And it, it absolutely does. Because We've covered a lot of ground in this <laughs> session, man. Damn. I, that's why I keep it pretty open because it's just, that's what I like to do is I just let the conversation start going because like it was in those smoke pits, you end up getting into these heavy, heavy conversations that need to be had. And we end up don't having a cat. We don't have a camera. We don't have mics. We have nothing to record. And this is we've had these style of conversations how many times in the smoke pit
1: yeah man that's pretty much the only thing that happens right so (laughs) good convo absolutely
0: and and i would love to have you back on again once you do get everything up and running you do have anything going on at book club that's big that you want to promote man just reach out and i'd
1: gladly have you back on yeah there's going to be a lot of big announcements coming uh so i'd love to come back on whenever you're, you're ready for me, my brother.
0: It's it's an open seat for you, man. You let me know when we can and we'll get it get it sorted. I love it.
1: Uh, respect. Thank you for having me, dude. And yeah. Uh, yeah, like I said, anytime, let me know. I'll be back, okay?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was glad having you. And thank you for everyone check, checking out this podcast. I look forward to visiting with you live on our YouTube live stream tomorrow, as well as the continuing content next week. But with that being said, Thank you, Dolphin, for hopping on. I look forward to chatting you in the next one. It will definitely be having you back on. Peace, dude. See yeah. ya. Later.